Greetings, fellow spooky people. So the last couple of weeks have been really heavy on this show with murder and a disappearance right in our own backyard. And please keep in mind that we were recording episodes really close together, like the first three were recorded in a 30-hour time block. So we need some fun. And you guys need some fun. 2020's kind of sucked for everybody. You need fun. So we're bringing it to you. This week week we're going back to our usual reality escape and traveling to Florida where some local ghosts keep tourists and locals alike on their toes. (gasps) Creepy toes. Ah, toes. (laughs) And feet. Not the feet. Guys, go watch Juan on Netflix, like episode one. You'll get it. It's We're not spoiling the story. She just... Or two. Episode two. What was or, it episode two? I think it was one. I feel like this is going to be a ongoing thing. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what it is about the show, but it keeps focusing on, like, the spirit's feet. Juan is the original grudge. If you've ever seen the movie The Grudge. It's like it just walks... It, that scene where it just walks into the room, and it's like, a foot! Ah! Another foot! Ah! So welcome back. And if you're here for the first time, welcome to Crime and Theory, a podcast dedicated to everything outside the parameters of normal. We are your hosts, Ashley. And Aaron. Who is mid-yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So how was your week, Aaron? Um, eh, it was okay. It was okay, I suppose. You just made a new arch nemesis and you're sad about it. Oh, yeah. I yeah. am very sad. I had a good friend... And um, he decided to be a jerk. Now we can't be friends anymore. He beat Aaron up. He did. He, he like, I had to call out of work because it he beat me up so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, we're talking about milk. Aaron can't. He's gone his entire life drinking milk and milkshakes and just everything lactose, and all of a sudden the. Last time he had a cup of milk, he was down for the count. So just know that you can develop an allergy or an immunity or a resistance or or a weakness against literally anything. As you get older, like you can be born without something and then have it later in life. Yeah, now I have to jot down milk into my already expanding long list of... Things you can't have? Yeah, and like... Problems with me. That is an expanding list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, are you ready for today's episode, Aaron? I'm always ready for some spoopies. I feel like that was a cross between you and your Sean Connery impression, and no. Ooh, spoopy dragon. You sound like a creepy old man that, like, rocks on his porch saying, Get out from my lawn! I want some spoopies. I take it back. You're basically old man McGucket from Gravity Falls without the twang. (laughs) (laughs) You walk around saying things like, Aw, donkey spittle. Aw, donkey spittle. Yep, there we go. There it is. So today we're going to St. Augustine and exploring the old jail, Castillo de San Marcos. And I'm sorry if you speak Spanish. I clearly do not. I am insulting your language, and please understand, it's not intentional, I promise. The infamous lighthouse and the Abbott Mansion. Let's get started. 
So some of this information came from episodes of Ghost Adventures and the reboot of Ghost Hunters on A&E, but the rest of it came from ghostsandgravestones.com. Ooh. Oh, I know. floridashistoriccoast.com. News for, like the, oh, I hit the table, like the digit for jacks, J-A-X, dot com, trolleytours.com, oldcity.com, saintaugustine.com, saintaugustinelighthouse.org, and I think that's it. I think that's all we got. But I didn't go to Wikipedia. I feel like a trophy, like an Xbox or a PlayStation trophy just pop up over my head, like achievement unlocked didn't use wikipedia for once <laughs> you'd think there would be like a dedicated ghostopedia or spookopedia well now i have to pull up the internet and find out because there's murderpedia why not yeah oh there is a phantompedia.fandom.com Ooh. oh but it's phantom of the opera Ah. Uh. i mean i love a good musical but not cutting it guys there needs to be a phantompedia.com or .org or something where we just compile all ghosts. People can write in their own experiences with said ghosts. I mean, it doesn't have to be like every little tiny ghost that most people don't know about. But like, you know, your demon encounters, your St. Augustine lighthouse encounters. And then people like me and other podcasters that, you know, talk about spoopy stuff can just go look it up. You know, you know what would be would make so much. Also, sense? trademark. We're getting rich off this. Do what? <laughs> like a ghost ghostopedia dot not org orb orb. Oh, that's good. Okay, let's trademark it now. Yeah. Okay. Can't have it. It's ours. We'll share with you, but it's ours. Or phantompedia dot ah. <laughs> I like the dot orb better. Much more clever. Next one was reaching a little bit. That's okay. And and the 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 mouse has the the little arrow has to be a little orb. Yes, like the uh, fandom website for Studio Ghibli. Yeah, is it Ghibli? I don't know how you pronounce it. I think so. Studio Ghibli. I think I don't know. Please correct me. Please just tell me the truth. I don't know. I don't know anything. I can't pronounce words. We're in season two. If you haven't figured out that I can't pronounce words, this is clearly your first episode. But speaking of this episode, this episode was brought to you by the letter G. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was suggested by one of our best friends in the entire world. So, hey, Kelsey. Thank you. We love you. We miss your face. And, you know, thanks for the suggestion. Okay, thanks. Oh, and before we get started, uh... I remembered what Jason said to us when we were, when we last saw him, and he let us know that he had a theory about the Black Eyed Kids episode. Oh, yeah. And I kind of wanted to share that. So, Jason, I hope you don't mind, but I think it's a really smart one. So, back in episode, I think it was two, maybe two or three, whatever, when I was talking about the Black Eyed Kids, it was before you came on, Aaron, and part of the story has to do with Otcon and it's connected to like Native American lore or whatever, or Native lore. I'm sorry. I don't know if Native American is even like the proper term. Please forgive me. I am, I'm genuinely ignorant in that regard. I will 
fix that after this episode, though, because it's at the front of my mind now. But the whole Otcon thing, it they would be possessed or the Otcon would turn into these people. I think they were possessed by it. Yeah, it's because it's a force. It's an energy. And they would kill off people, I guess. Is that how that went? I don't remember. It's been a while. It has been quite a while, and I don't remember breakfast yesterday, so I'm sorry. Just go re-listen. It's fine. But Jason's theory is that what if the black-eyed kids that people are seeing today are still those inhabited by Otcon, and they're trying to get rid of or destroy people that are related to that particular tribe and that's why the black eyed kids are still around and i was like that's pretty smart because it it's like michael myers he keeps coming back to kill off his family i'm sorry if you've never seen halloween it's been out for quite some time though i don't know how you've gotten this far without any spoilers as you've been living under a rock and if you have you're probably not listening to us Yeah, I was about to say, anybody listening to our podcast... Or any podcast. Or any podcast. Can't be living under a rock. Well, I was going to say, like, our particular podcast, if they're not into slasher films or scary stuff before this point, something's wrong. Unless this is their first episode, and what if we convert them, Aaron? What if we convert them? Will you join us? Be one of us. Was that creepy enough? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, let's talk about St. Augustine, okay? I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if it sounded a little echoey. I wasn't facing the microphone. I keep hearing static, so if that comes through to you guys, I'm sorry. I say I'm sorry a lot, apparently. We have new tech, and we're still trying to figure it all out. Yeah, we're not educated in that area of life. We're trying. Okay. So, St. Augustine, Florida. It is America's oldest continually occupied European settlement. Don Pedro Menendez de Aviles, maybe, was named governor of Florida by King Philip II of Spain. Because, you know, we always have to start off with some history. You're looking at me like, what does this have to do with anything? I was I was just thinking, like, man, that is a mouthful of a name. Well, I mean, his name is Don Pedro Menendez. And it, I think De is like of, and Aviles, or however you say it, is the place he's from, I think. Pretty sure, because he was referred to as Menendez throughout the entire article. Ah, okay. Yeah, but he arrived off the coast of Florida... On August 28th, 1565. That's a long time ago. Also, the irony that he, you said he landed? I mean, he, you know, pulled up to the coast in a ship. Yeah, in August. Well, I'm getting to that. So when he pulls up, it's the feast day of St. Augustine. In August. In August. That's probably why it's in August. I don't know. I don't know history. I just compile some notes and present it. I'm not smart. But, you know, hence the city's name. They're there on St. Augustine's Day. Cool. Or Feast of St. Augustine. And like a bunch of, you know, self and 
titled Rich People, Menendez and his 600 soldiers marched on to land 11 days later, waving their banners and sounding their trumpets, as you do. And this was done on the site of a, I can't pronounce it, I don't know if it's Timucuan village, where Menendez and his men fortified the place. Now, on one site, it said 800 colonists, including at least 24 women. Only 24 women out of 800 men? No. Just no. Those poor people. Not the men, the women. Those poor people. And an unknown number of African slaves. And let me... I I wish you could see my face. I hate slavery. And I'm not a fan of slave owners. Let me explain that. And on trolleytours.com, it said that Menendez actually met with the... Again, I can't pronounce things. Please understand. I am so sorry. The Timucuan chief. Chief Siloy? Siloy? And even used his village as their first settlement and used the chief's council house as the first Spanish fort. So here's the deal. If they were welcomed by this tribe, that is one thing. If they're like, you know, come in, use the facilities that we do have. We welcome you. We embrace you. Okay, cool. You can be welcomed by a people. That's fine. But they still had slaves, so... Still not good people, okay? And natives not cool, buddy. Not at all. And natives have still been all but wiped out from their own land through history, so please forgive me for not being a fan of this guy. I you know what, don't forgive me. I'm not a fan of this guy. I'm not a fan of any person who wants to wipe a populace off the face of the planet and use other human beings as less than human. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, I'm sorry. So anyway, Menendez led his men to destroy the French garrison on St. John's River, and nature apparently was on his side, because that was the same time that a hurricane came through, which helped destroy the French fleet. Holy crap. Yeah. So the land was now possessed by the Spanish, and his troops started building the town, quote, establishing missions to the Indians for the church, end quote. First of all, this ain't India. Second of all, you can't force people to convert. If somebody wants to convert, then they want to convert, and that's cool. But if not, guess what? Free will's still a thing. I I feel a lot of ways about bad people. Or people who say that they're doing good, and using something that's supposed to be good as a weapon, and they're not actually doing good. Did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Kind of like the Holy Crusades. Yeah, they suck too. Anyway. All of this meant that the colony of St. Augustine was established 42 years before England established Jamestown, which is in Virginia. I, You all knew that. I don't know why I threw that in there. And 55 years before the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. So with it being the oldest, this city has seen more than its fair share of tragedy, trauma, death. I'm surprised that they didn't name this city Dirt. Why? Because it's older than dirt? Were you trying to be funny? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
sir, we've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if any city in America is going to be haunted, it's going to be this one. So about the old jail. This place is really cool looking. I don't like what happened inside, but it's a very pretty building. Oh. It kind of looks like a church from the side or a hotel from the front. Just looks like part of your average everyday town structures. But regardless, when you come across this building, you're not going to look at it and think, yep, this place is made for dangerous criminals. And it was purposefully designed to be beautiful from the outside so as not to deter visitors at the nearby Ponce de Leon Hotel. Wait, they put a jail? This is actually the second jail, I believe, that was built. Next to a hotel. Well, I mean, down the down the street or across the street or I'm bad at geography. I mean, my my mind is just thinking like that off chance like that one guy escapes from jail. I don't think they had to worry about it. Not this jail anyway. So this jail was built in 1891, so it's relatively new and it was built by the same company who built Alcatraz. Oh. I don't think people are going to escape. And its official name, I believe, is Old St. John's County Jail. Just in case anybody was wondering, it's not really relevant. And it once held some of Florida's most dangerous criminals. I mean, like, cream of the crop, dangerous criminals. The worst of the worst. However, it was 1891, so I, I don't know what that was defined by. What a dangerous criminal was considered back then because... But in this prison, or jail, sorry. This jail was literally built to hold anybody and everybody. There were two sections, and remember this is the 1890s, so there was a section for men and a section for women. And it was built to hold something like 72 prisoners at a time. And all of this was in the north wing of the, pri- or of the jail. In the south wing... That was where the sheriff's office was and his living quarters. The sheriff lived in the same building as prisoners. Not some building nearby, not some nice house. No, no, he lived in the jail. That's gotta suck. His family lived there too. Oh, that's not creepy at all. No. The walls were apparently built to be 20 feet tall, and they were apparently thick enough that noise could neither get in nor out of the facility. So prisoners couldn't hear any of the hustle and bustle and any torturous goings on inside could not be heard by people trying to walk down the street to like shop or anything. So this whole building is just like a giant solitary confinement. Yeah. The building stopped being used as a jail in the 1950s and you can actually go tour it now. And I don't, one of the ghost stories to this place You know, I'll explain when I get there. So if you take the tour, you're actually led through the jail playing the role of prisoner. What? And the person giving you the tour is the jailer, if I'm not mistaken. I just thought that was really neat. It is pretty neat. Like the the whole role play thing. I don't think it's neat to be a prisoner. Let me explain that. I feel like one day I'm just going to say one thing and not mean anything by it. And somebody's just going to jump in and attack. And just take everything I say and just misconstrue it. So I feel like I have to cover my own butt every sentence that comes out of my face. Anyway, living conditions for the prisoners were so rough that I actually feel bad for even the ones that were murderers. They had no blankets. 
no pillows. All they had were these mattresses that were stuffed with Spanish moss. And you know, Spanish moss is a living organism. It's a plant. So the moss mattresses were infested with weird little bugs. Ooh. There were no bathing facilities at all. I mean, maybe in the sheriff's side of things, but as a prisoner or a jailed individual. So they were always dirty. There was no type of sanitation facility to be found. So they were also living in their own waste. My word. And in the very back was the maximum security area. And those conditions were even worse. They didn't even have the mattresses. This area was equipped with stockades, a torture cage, and a clear view to the execution area. Oh, jeez. So they were physically and psychologically tortured. So basically, if someone was getting executed, the others waiting, actually waiting in line... Had to watch it. So they saw their own fate before it happened. Oh, man. On top of being beaten and starved. So it's no question why people believe that this building is haunted. You want to know about the ghosts now? Well, yeah, I want to know about all the ghosties. All of the That's ghosties. what we're here for. I don't know what kind of accent that was. People who live nearby frequently hear footsteps coming from the inside. And I don't know if people can hear from the outside now because of renovations or if ghost sound isn't stopped by mere mortal structures, but people hear them. The footsteps are loud and clunky noises, which make people believe that they are the feet belonging to the spirits of prisoners. I guess because they would have like their ankles chained. I was just about to ask that. Like, where's the clinking coming from? Yeah, they were... Oh, no, I'm running. Yeah, they were chained. They are also heard inside the building by guests. At random times, visitors and employees alike are known to get a whiff of everybody's favorite smell, raw sewage. Yeah, I would imagine that there would be so much stinky smelliness. I mean... Like, embedded into the structure? Yeah. I mean, that's possible, but here's the thing... They cleaned this place vigorously throughout the years, and they still do a daily cleaning at the jail. On top of that, they have placed air fresheners throughout the entire building. But it, like, it's strong. It is potent when somebody smells it. Like, it's fresh. Ugh. Ghost smells. Ah, maybe that might be the ghost of one of the dead inmates. I mean, they were never capable of bathing or being clean that's true and some people even report a smell of something sickeningly sweet and they it's comparable to boiling molasses oh i know that sounds so gross here's a fun part people hear dogs barking at the jail but they're not on the property so we got more phantom doggies i know there are ghost dogs everywhere but here's my question Unless there are ghost dogs, are you really even that haunted? No. The sheriffs of days long gone actually used to have dogs as pets on the property. Because, I mean, you know, who doesn't love a pet? And I don't know if it was for protection in case a prisoner escaped or if they were just family pets. I'm assuming family pets. 
Or both. Little guard chihuahua. (laughs) Shake them, Bubbles. Uh, There are disembodied voices heard in the old cell. Mm. Cells. So then Twang tried to come out for a minute. (laughs) They hear... Ah, donkey spittles. (laughs) The voices are also heard in the hallways. And one of these sounds is a wailing and moaning type sound coming from the maximum security area and solitary confinement. So I guess basically what you're hearing is the spirit of a ghost being tortured. They probably gave him milk too. Shameful. (laughs) In the sheriff's quarters, some have reported the voice of a little girl. And I haven't found any stories or anything where a sheriff's kid died there or whatnot. But, I mean, maybe it was where her best memories were made and her spirit just kind of came back there. If that's where her best memories were made, that's sad. She probably had a very short life, I'm imagining. And most of that life was spent at the jail. Had to be. Mm. Could you imagine growing up like, Grandma, Grandpa, you'll never guess what I did yesterday. I fed our state's biggest serial killer. Like, that's the highlight of my life. I gave Ted Bundy an apple. (laughs) I really have to know, like, I get it was the 1800s, but what did people do for entertainment? In a a jail, I mean. That's a good question. That weren't prisoners. I feel like I have to complete the sentence. I guess pester the inmates? I guess. My guess is that this spirit's actually a demon, though, because, let's face it, kid ghosts? in my opinion, are more apt to be demons because they're creepier. Makes sense. Yep. Some have heard someone whistling at them only to find out that there's nobody there. And look, it could just be a spirit whistling, like a little ditty. But if there's a ghost that's catcalling someone, it's time to exercise that douchebag, okay? (laughs) Sage the place, do what you gotta do. (laughs) <laughs> they should make a uh, a group called the Ghost Whistlers. <laughs> Why? Why, Aaron? I don't. I don't like you. And several visitors have heard a laugh that can only be described as "quote unquote" dastardly, coming from one of the women's cells. Eileen Warnos, is that you? <laughs> and the graduates of Ghosting One Hundred and One. Those spirits are prone to making cold spots. They completed their ghosting courses. Can you tell they're so good at it? Oh, yeah. Making the cold spots. And some have even felt a cold phantom hand touching them on the shoulder, while others have felt someone tugging at their hair. Some have felt like someone is blowing on them as they walk by a certain area. And that's creepy. That's not Other than the everything else. (laughs) I wonder if it's the cat calling weirdo. Call a priest. That's all I've got on the jail. Like, we're covering four different places, so. Oh, God. I just had a thought. Like, what if it's, what if it is the. Cat caller? Yeah. I don't know that it's and cat calling like, ghost, right but. your face, and he's like one of those heavy breathing fellas. And, and he's like. Oh. It's like, hey there, baby. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> don't <laughs> do that. No. <laughs> If that's the case, again, are any of you a priest? Next All up. All the clerics. <laughs> we call ourselves the Amen. <laughs> 
Next up is the Abbott Mansion, otherwise known as the Old Mansion. This old home sits at the intersection of Joyner and Abbott Street, which makes sense. It's the Abbott Mansion. It should be on Abbott Street. Ah. <laughs> so I don't write... That's not right. So I didn't write down the history of the building itself because it was just a home. Like it was just literally built to be a house. And it's what went on inside that really counts. It's like a person. It's what inside. It's what's inside that matters. Back in the late 1800s, again with the late 1800s, the jail was built. Here we are with the Abbott Mansion. An old dirt town. Yep. Lucy Abbott lived in her home with her lover. Now, this is the late 1800s. It was not kosher for a woman to live with her significant other outside of marriage. Like, this guy was not her husband. And he was a Civil War colonel. And one day, this colonel just up and vanished, never to return. Like, he just got up and went. It didn't say if he just, you know, legitimately disappeared and the whole town was searching, or if he just got bored in the relationship and left. I don't know what happened there. But he went out for one reason or another and disappeared. I bet he was like, well, time to go find another war to fight in. I hope he was disappointed. But regardless of the reason, Lucy was clearly heartbroken. I mean, if you love somebody and they leave you, it's heartbreaking. You're going to be sad about it. And like a lot of heartbreak, it can cause the heart to become cold and hardened. People who saw Lucy described her as haggard after this fact, so she was not looking too good. And Lucy never moved on with her life. Not really. She chose to live alone in her mansion, just by herself. Until she was in her 90s. Holy crap. And the reason she didn't, the reason she left wasn't because she died. She was forced to go into a nursing home and she died there. But some people believe that her spirit never moved on to the other side. They think that what happened was she died. She, her spirit came out of her body and she was like, I'm going back home. Which, I mean, that kind of begs the question, like, do ghosts... Kind of like the thought of American Horror Story where, like, they have to die on the property to be a ghost that exists in the house. Sure, yeah. So that's kind of making making me ponder. It's kind of the opposite, though. Yeah, like, do they have to die in the in the house? Or I don't know. Or on the property? Do ghosts have to do that? I mean, I... If this is the case, I guess not. And if this is the case, when I come back as a ghost, I want to haunt somewhere fun. Disneyland. I was thinking Disney, but like Tokyo Disney or Disney Paris. No, I know the exact place that you would haunt. The Wizarding Wizarding World World of of Harry Harry Potter. Potter. (laughs) 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 Nearly headless. How can you be nearly headless? Nearly headless Ashley. (laughs) They're going to think that you're part of the tour. If that's the case, then Universal better be paying my <laughs> my ghosty butt. <laughs> so there was a couple that moved in to this mansion because they had turned the mansion into a set of apartments. And this couple, David and Star Gray, they moved into an apartment on the second floor, which, you know, I think the apartment thing's pretty smart. But it wasn't until 1984 that David came out publicly with his and his wife's experiences. 
While living there, the couple would hear footsteps in the hallway and knocks on their door like somebody was stopping by. But when one of them would get up to open the door, there wouldn't be anyone out there. What? Which just, you know, kind of sounds like a mischievous spirit, and that's fine. But it gets a lot worse. Star would hear a whisper and a hateful tone telling her to get out. So she's made this ghost angry. And as things progressed with their haunt with the hauntings, the couple began to see, quote, pale white forms, end quote, in the shadows of their own living room. Their beds, however, start I'm sorry, not beds, plural, their bed, because they shared one. It began to shake in the middle of the night, like something was causing it to shake. I, I guess like an earthquake would happen, but spiritual earthquake? Mm. Mm. Things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, the day came that was their final straw. Star was at the stairs when an unseen force tried to knock her down them. So... As we all know, falling down a flight of stairs can potentially be lethal. And their lives were in danger. So at this point, they were like, all right, something's got to give. It's not worth it living here. Let's just find another place and go. This is a very malevolent spirit. You know, I just had a thought. What if these malevolent spirits that are trying to kill the inhabitants of the property... What if they're just very lonely? Like, they're trying to kill someone so that their ghost can haunt with them. Ah, that's a good question. What if they're just lonely? They need little ghosty friends, you know? I mean, I'm glad that she didn't succeed, or whatever this was, didn't succeed in killing Star. But then they were literally moving their stuff, okay? It is the day of the move. They are moving their stuff out of the apartment, And this phantom force yet again tried to push Star, but it wasn't down the stairs this time. It was out of the second story window. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And that's really all I could find on the Abbott Mansion, but I thought that was really creepy, and I know I never want to go there. That is creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely don't want to be hanging out in any windows anytime soon. Well, luckily, our windows aren't that big, so it's fine. Yeah. But let's go to one of the most haunted locations in Florida, and let's just be honest, it's why everyone is still here. According to the official website, staugustinelighthouse.org, there was an original lighthouse, okay, and it was being eroded by the ocean. Makes All of that sense. briny salt water. Yeah. So the United States Lighthouse Board received multiple reports about eroding to the point that they eventually approved the finances to have the lighthouse built brand new and pushed back a little bit, I believe. So they began building this lighthouse in 1871, 20 years before the opening of the jail. And during construction, the superintendent of the lighthouse construction, Hezekiah Pitty, moved from Cape Elizabeth, Maine to the construction site in St. Augustine with his entire family. And his family consisted of himself, obviously, his wife, Mary, and their children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. So remember, it's the 1800s. Kids don't have TV and video games. They don't have tablets. They don't have cell phones. Kids played outside way more back then. What? I know. It's shocking. Outside? What is this outside you speak of? And 
Of course, they use their imaginations to live out their wildest dreams, just kind of like how we do when we play Dungeons and Dragons. So these kids quickly took to playing around the construction site, a.k.a. their new backyard. This can't end well. Oh, it doesn't. (laughs) It ends way worse than you're probably already thinking. See, like all the stuff out in the yard. None of that hurt anybody. They just, they played, they had a good time. They were having a good childhood. By 1873, the only thing that had been built on the lighthouse was the foundation and only 42 out of the 165 feet of the lighthouse. So they weren't anywhere near being done. And to help with construction, there was a railway with a cart that would go down to the supply ships to be loaded up, sent back up to the builders with a, you know, full of fresh supplies. But what does this railway cart look like to children? A fun ride. You're looking at me like, oh no. (laughs) Oh no, indeed. (laughs) At the end of the railway, there was a wooden board that actually stopped the cart from flipping over into the ocean. Makes sense. Yeah. So the kids, they would get into this cart. They would ride down the line to where the board stopped it, and they would bring it back up, ride all over again. They did it all the time. But on July 10th, which is yesterday was the anniversary. Ooh. Ah, yeah. All three of the pity girls, aged 15, 13, and 4, along with a playmate whose name is unknown, but she's believed to have been one of the daughters of one of the builders. She was 10 years old. They all decided to ride in their makeshift roller coaster. Well, on this fateful day, for whatever reason, that board that was placed to stop the cart was not there. What? Why? And I don't know. I, I literally said for whatever reason. I don't know. Sounds like a setup. Well, and here's the thing. These kids are so used to that board being there, nobody thought to go check before launching the cart down the railway. One of the workers on the lighthouse, uh, Mr. Dan Sessions, he literally watched the event unfold. He watched in horror as he saw the cart flip over the edge and into the water with all four girls still inside. So he drops everything. He races down to the water. And literally, this has to be pure adrenaline at this point because he manages to remove the cart from on top of the girls but by the time he's able to mary adelaide eliza and the friend whose name is unknown they had already drowned oh the youngest the four-year-old she did survive that one was carrie she survived but the other three were gone hmm Now, the construction crew and the entire town of St. Augustine basically shut down everything for the day of the funeral of the pity girls. But what makes me really mad is that I don't think it was shut down for their playmate. Because, like, nobody knows where she's buried or anything. That's jacked up. Yeah, even the most heavy of researchers, they don't know where she is. And I think what the reason, I think the reason behind nobody knowing is the fact that this was the 1870s and their friend was a girl of color so nobody gave her any notice i hate people i don't hate people because people are capable of being better i hate what people do and i hate what people have done like this girl deserves to be remembered just as much as the pity girls but i'm i'm just making this political it's not even political it's a human rights statement i'll stop yeah that's 
That's pretty jacked up. Yeah. I mean, it's just another example of how disgusting racism and bigotry is. I mean, it may not be the case, but given the time period and given how things are, it's probably the case as to why nobody knew her name and why nobody knows where she's buried. But about this girl, remember the other day I said when we record, we're going to mention psychics for a minute? The lighthouse tends to receive calls from time to time from psychics. And one recently called in about the spirit of the girl's friend who perished with them. Now, this psychic said that this girl was, quote, unquote, African-American, and that her name was either Ellie or Eleanor. And this has never been confirmed or anything, but I just think it would be really wild if it came to light as true. That would be pretty cool. The Pitty family decided that they were going to pack up and return back to Maine in order to bury their daughters slash sisters, because there were a couple kids left, after the funeral. But that doesn't mean that their spirits would... English. That doesn't mean that their spirits went with them. So, of course, next up is the hauntings. Legend has it that a lighthouse keeper in the 1950s reported hearing footsteps coming from upstairs, but when he went to investigate, nobody was there. The head keeper of that time was James Pippin, who served from 1953 to 1955, and he was the last keeper at the lighthouse. Mr. Pippin moved from the keeper's house to the in uh, I'm sorry to the 1941 Coastal Lookout building after vowing to never stay another night in the big house because it was haunted. When lighthouse keepers were replaced by Coast Guard lamplighters to keep the house uh, to keep the lighthouse going, the keeper's house began to get rented out. I guess like the mansion, they decided that well, it's a perfectly good structure. Let's rent it. In the 1960s, a leather goods worker decided to rent the house, and his story is that one night he woke up from dead sleep to see a small girl standing beside his bed. What? And as he blinked his eyes, she vanished. In 1970, after standing empty for some years, the house burned down under mysterious circumstances. Nobody was in it. How did it burn? Ghost flames. Or Satan. Satan? What is that, sulfur? (laughs) When this happened, the county decided that they were going to demolish the bit of skeletal remains left, but the Junior Service League raised the money in order to save it and renovate it, restore it, put it back to its former glory. So most of the building is new, the Keeper's House, but some of the original structure still stands, and I want to say... Part of that is the basement. Nothing good can ever come out of a basement. You're right. Has anybody ever seen it? But, of course, because the original structure is still partly there, spirit activity tends to remain. Right? That's how ghosts work, apparently. Well, one night, a lone staff member was closing up when he heard the sound of giggling. He thought maybe someone had been left behind from touring and he went to find the straggler. Only when he approached the top of the... This is the actual lighthouse right now. I'm sorry, we'll get back to the house in a minute. When he approached the top of the lighthouse where the giggle had come from, he found nobody present. But here's the kicker. When he found nobody was up there, he heard the giggle again. But this time it was coming from below. He followed the sound again to find what? Nobody. Again. So basically, 
he was playing hide-and-seek with a ghost. And there is more to confirm this later on. There was a female visitor on the Dark of the Moon tour, and she went to take her first step up into the lighthouse tower, and when she went to take that step, she couldn't really move her leg because her shoelaces had been tied to the staircase. What? And on another night, a guide found a group of young women in the keeper's house basement. Back to the basement. And I will, again, I believe this was the only place that the structure, of the structure that didn't burn. They had an EMF reader with them. And the one holding it asks the spirits if they want to play hide and seek. And the meter spiked. Meter activity only resumed when they took it under the spiral staircase that led to the main floor. And when the woman holding it called out, I found you, want to play again? The meter spiked again. Then she walks over to the children's play table. And there, the EMF reader spiked. And only when more guests arrived in the basement, the reader stopped responding. Almost like the girls went into hiding. I'm assuming it's the girls because they're playing hide and seek. They're kids. It has to be. These girls have also been known to physically manifest once in a while. And it's not even anything scary. Like, I like I like these kids. I don't usually don't like ghost kids, but I like them. So some years ago, a woman walking along the Maritime Hammock Trail saw a young girl sitting on a bench along the path. And this little girl was reading a book and wearing Victorian dress. As this woman was about to ask the girl a question, she got distracted when an approaching group came along. You know, they were wanting to walk the trail too. And so this woman turns back to the bench and there's no one there. You're looking at me like you're terrified. What is going on? I just think these little girls are lonely and that one apparently had a lot of energy so she can manifest herself. And okay, so I don't know how old you guys out there are, but we are old enough to at this point where I remember there were many, many weekends and summers watching Ghost Hunters at my mama's house. And I guess they just took it off its original channel because they've rebooted it on A&E now. And back in the day during its original run, they went to the lighthouse and they got a lot of activity. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the reboot where they got to revisit the St. Augustine Lighthouse. So Grant, he's basically one of the two main guys from the original. He took his new crew for this reinvestigation. And apparently now people have seen a shadow figure like leaning over the upper railing, looking down at employees and visitors. Oh, Lord. And they see a shadow figure running up the lighthouse stairs. Remember when he was playing... When that employee was playing hide and seek and yeah. would like hear giggling and get to the top, hear it from below him. Okay. That is so messed up. Yeah. People also hear giggling coming from the woods behind the lighthouse. Ah. And activity, according to the woman they interviewed, has been increasing in more recent days. The team set out REM pods throughout the actual lighthouse tower on every level or almost every level. And they're super sensitive to motion, okay? So when the two investigators were on one floor, they heard one of the pods going off above them. When they reached it, and this is on video, when they reached it, the one below them went off. Sound familiar? So all of it adds up. Yep. The team also heard giggling out in the woods, confirming other people's claims. 
And the EMF in the woods spiked super high at one point. And let me explain, there is no electricity out there. If you guys don't know what EMF is, it's electromagnetic frequency. You have to have some kind of electromagnetic frequency to set it off. There's no electricity out there. And it went off by itself. So, uh, when are we, uh, heading to this place? I want to see I'll go if you'll take me to Disney. I mean, yeah. I know that's Orlando, but it's still Florida, so we could just take a big long vacation. That's true. Yeah. Two weeks. We'll take two weeks. Yeah. Okay. And they also used a tri-field meter at the top of the lighthouse, and when they were at, there's this door up there, okay? And they're at the door with this meter, and this meter has not moved the entire trek up there, all right? It's been at zero the entire time. When they reach this door... This meter, you watch it spike all the way from zero to 10, which is, I think, about halfway up the meter. Like, it just got a giant jolt of whatever kind of energy it feeds or it measures. We've got to go. Gots to. And this one kind of gives me goosebumps, but I kind of love it too. There was a woman on a totally different tour. And she noticed this other woman on the tour and her daughter. And she noticed how, like, well-behaved this kid was. So she goes up to the woman to compliment her. Like, hey, your child's so well-behaved. How do you how do you get your child to behave like that? It's wonderful. You're so lucky. But this woman goes, what are you talking about? I don't have a daughter. And then this woman later finds out that there were no kids on this tour at all. You're putting your hand over your face like, I can't believe it. I love it. I love telling you this sort of stuff and seeing your reaction. And here's the thing, guys. Like, I know I say I'm not a big believer in ghosts. I don't know that I believe. I don't know that I don't believe. I'm like a ghost agnostic. Like, there's probably something out there, but I just don't know what yet. This is why we need to go and find these things. I think the proper word I'm looking for is skeptic. I know English. It's fine. (laughs) We do need to go find these things, though. But my thing that I was going to say was there are so many people out there who claim paranormal experiences, and it is a huge chunk of people. Like, it's not some tiny little minuscule percentage of the human population. A lot of people say that there are ghosts. I don't think all those people are liars. I think there are some people out there that think that they're experiencing a ghost and it's and they're not but at the same time not everyone can be having that kind of experience like hearing a pop in a creek and thinking oh i'm haunted and it's just the house settling there's got to be people telling the truth right yeah not that many people can be wrong exactly and all it takes is one person being right about it to make ghosts real and maybe i'm sorry if you're snoring our dog is snoring but Maybe I don't want to believe because then I'll have to confront some other things like, well, if ghosts are real, then poltergeists are real. And I don't know that I want to face that. I don't know that I want to face like demonic possession. And look, I'm a Christian. I believe in demonic possession, but I don't want to have to acknowledge it. So I don't know. I don't know. Thanks for uh, being my therapist, guys. (laughs) But finally is the Castillo de San Marcos which was built between 1672 and 1695. So this is our oldest building. Wow, this place is even older than dirt. Well, no, it's not older than dirt, because remember, they found it. They didn't found it. 
English. They didn't found the place. They actually found the place. Did that make sense? Yeah. They they saw the location of St. Augustine for the first time in the 1500s. That's what I'm trying to get at. So this place was actually built between 1672 and 1695 in order to protect the city from foreign inv- invasion. Ooh. Uh-huh. And it was also to work kind of as a blockade against natural forces like hurricanes because we know how how much Florida gets hit by those kind of natural events. Basically, it's a military fort. I guess it's just Spain's word for a military fort. I don't know. I didn't actually look up what Castillo meant. I probably should do that. I'm going to do that now. My question is, how do they make this place a defense against hurricanes? Well, it's not a defense against hurricanes, like, in the sense of it's going to protect everything and everyone from every direction, but it's a giant brick wall, which can take some of that brunt force. Well, it's not really brick, but it, what it's built out of can kind of take all of that brunt force, and so the wind and stuff that gets past probably isn't going to be as strong when it hits the town. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. If it comes in from that general direction. Right, okay. right. Kind of like how mountains work. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this must be a massive fort. Oh, Castillo is a Spanish surname meaning castle. That's cool. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? It must be a massive fort. It's really big. I mean, I don't think the entire city of St. Augustine fits behind it now, but at the time, right. the town was probably, you know, small and could be protected. Teeny tiny town. There is a long and violent history at this location, and you guys should really check it out if you want to learn more. You know, we're about crime and paranormal stuff, but if you're into history, this is a place to look up. So I couldn't find a whole heck of a lot via articles, so basically everything I did get was from Ghost Adventures, and I don't really like to give them a whole lot of credit in their investigations because they hype up everything and overreact to, like, every bump and creak in the night. But the stories told by the people who work there, I think, are okay to recount and give a little bit of credibility. So visitors to the Castillo have seen a soldier walking along the walls, and they have heard heavy footsteps like boots. And I guess they belong to him. I don't know. But it reminds me of the episode that we did from South Africa, how they see that guard walking. Right. Multiple soldiers have been seen throughout the entire place. Uh, There was actually a pirate and whose name I cannot remember, and I am an idiot and didn't write it down. But this pirate decided he was going to make his way into this general area, and the guards from the Castillo, you know, they were soldiers. They weren't big fans of people who pillaged and plundered. So they decided that once he landed, they were going to surround him. The The guards did. And that they did. And not only did they, did they surround him, they decided they were going to garrot him. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, if I have to choose a way to go, garrot is not the answer. So they choke him out. He dies. And it said that his spirit still roams the area. And you can go to this area in a tour. But there was a room that wound up getting discovered back in the day. And as they were tearing down the wall to this area they were met with absolute horror so what they find inside are skeletal remains and shackles on the walls what had happened was they took prisoners 
they shackled them to the walls and they literally walled them up to be forgotten about and die. That is so messed up. So. That's going to be a terrible way to go. It feels like something out of an Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. And I think we all know he was a bit sadistic in his writing. So, yeah. I mean, you go to Castle of Good Hope in South Africa and you're slowly watching the water rise and you're going to drown or you can be walled up. Great. And as I was venting about earlier, Native people or Indigenous people have been killed off for centuries. And we know how people treat Natives and I'm not okay. So when this prison or fort or whatever was built, they would actually capture Natives and hold them prisoner because people suck. And it's said that their spirits still haunt here as well. And I'm I'm just recounting what I read, but I just want to say that I mean no disrespect and I don't know Native beliefs in what happens to their spirits when their spirit leaves their body. So I'm not going to say it's haunted by Natives if that's not their belief, if that's not what happens. That's not what happens. Does that make sense? I keep asking if that makes sense. Does yeah, that, make, that sense? makes sense. Okay. Now, let's go to Ghost Adventures, okay? When they did their lockdown, they caught a scream on audio and some weird growl. But to me, the growl sounded like someone's stomach is like, hey, I'm hungry. It's a hungry ghost. It's a hungry ghost. But what do I know? And not you, Aaron, but the Aaron on the show. <laughs> he uh, went to go grab something and he was coming. I don't even think he was coming back. I think it was he just turned back around. He went to go get something. And all of a sudden, like, he was gone maybe two minutes. He turns around and comes running back in complete panic. And he says that when he was going across the courtyard, he literally heard boot steps running up on him and when he turned around no one was there they also caught footstep audio and there is a segment where they all smell something completely awful which i imagine would probably be sewage you didn't have plumbing and there were literally people walled up to die and that was not a quick death so they were probably sitting in their own filth and the weirdest part of this episode was when they used the voice box thing. I don't know what it's called. They managed to communicate with something or someone. And there's a brief moment with very clear audio that tells them to go upstairs. What? And that is all I've got. What happened when they went upstairs? Did they go I don't upstairs? think they did go upstairs. They or maybe they upstairs. did and nothing happened. I can't remember. Well, that's why we have to go. And we can go upstairs. That is it for this week. There are a bunch of other places in St. Augustine that are supposed to be haunted. There's even a candy shop. Or there's an area with that has this candy shop in it. And there's allegedly the ghost of a little girl of the gatekeeper of St. Augustine. And she she supposedly haunts the place and like interacts with people. And at this candy shop, someone set up an Easter display one year. And they went home for the night, came back in, and everything was rearranged. What? And I actually looked at this uh, candy shop's website, and I, I want to go. I didn't look at the website. I'm sorry. I 
went to Google. And so I really want to go. I think it'd be really cool to check it out. If anything, we, we leave with candy. Exactly. One day we're going to go and we're going to live stream and we're going to record an episode at a haunted place. It's going to be a grand old time. So have you ever visited St. Augustine or do you happen to live there? And Have you ever had any experiences there? If you have, please let us know. Tell us. We wholeheartedly and sincerely want to talk to you guys we want to know your experiences we want to know your spooky stuff your true crime stuff all of the things even suggestions if you're like hey there's this spooky thing that i want them to do an episode on and i think it would make for a good episode let us know or maybe even send us a recording of like if you caught anything yeah yeah that'd be cool and like we won't use anything in our episode unless you give express permission that we can do that so we're not gonna like out you or anything Unless you've murdered someone and you're like, hey, I have a killing problem, then we might be calling the cops. But other than that, you're fine. But you can always DM us on Instagram at Crime and Theory Pod. Or you can message us on Facebook at the same Crime and Theory Pod. Or email us at crimeandtheory at gmail.com. But Aaron, you know how we did that uh, Wilmington Ghost Tour? We should do that in Florida. Definitely. But we also need to find somewhere that's going to let us, like, actually ghost hunt. That would be so cool. Yes. But if we actually ghost hunt by ourselves, are any of you a priest? Because I think there's a jail that could use you. I'm. It's my third request for, the, for a priest here in this episode, and I regret nothing. Please go to the jail with us. We'll go with you. We'll we catch drag a couple ghosties. We should down there. Well, I know Kelsey would go. Hear that, Kelsey? Let's go. Let's plan. We'll just, me and you, we'll get in the car. We'll run away to St. Augustine and ghost hunt all of our problems. I mean, Aaron can come too, and so can Jason, but they can ride in a separate car. It'll just be me and you belting out to Disney the whole way there. I'll stop now because this is a long episode and um, I'm going to move on with my life. Okay, bye. <laughs> so Aaron, you got anything else you want to say? No, that's a lot of ghosts in St. Augustine. It is, but it's old. Like, there's been a lot of chances for people to die and leave behind their spirits that's a good point is that it yeah all right i want to go oh good well we'll make plans once everything reopens of course and they come up with a vaccine for covid and if you're one of those people that don't believe that covid is a real thing and it's a government conspiracy dude look at history there is a whole curse on the 20s of every century in history this is no different Also, I can understand why people in the 1920s were all about the Roaring Twenties and going to speakeasies and stuff. I know that that there was prohibition, and when you can't have something, that's when you want it more. So that's why people were, like, drinking and going to the speakeasies and stuff. But there was also, like, a lot of bad things happening in the 20s, so I can't really blame people for being drunk whether you agree with drinking or not i can't blame people like i don't drink and this year has made me want to stay safe this week if a ghost cat calls you throw sage at him (laughs) and as always don't get haunted we will see you guys next thursday